What is up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Unconventional Education Show, where we talk entrepreneurship, we talk mindset, and we talk life experiences to help you level up and become the best version of yourself. Awesome, guys. Well, I am fired up today for the guest that I am going to be bringing to you guys. This guy, and I'm not going to even get into it because I, I, I know him. I read his background, and it's insane what this man has gone through in life and how he's really come out and use it to his advantage and use it from going from a full-time postman to within three years creating a seven-figure online coaching business that they've been absolutely crushing it with. He's got a top 10 podcast on iTunes. He travels around the world speaking, motivating, and this dude is just going to bring you so much value today. So I am fired up to bring to you Liam James Collins. How are you doing, Liam? John, it is a pleasure to be on your podcast, mate. One, thank you for the invitation. I really, really appreciate it. And thank you for that awesome introduction as well, mate. Absolutely, dude. I mean, you deserve it. And I think people are going to be blown away when you kind of share your background. And I always say, man, like people see where you're at today, but, and oftentimes they just are like, oh, you know, he just has what it takes to be successful or he was born that way, or he has something I don't, but your background, man, is insane. And I want to kind of kick this off with you sharing where you came from and, and how Liam James Collins became the man he is today. Mate, you know what? I don't think anyone's ever actually said that to me before. Like, how has Liam James Collins become the man he is today? That's fucking, it's giving me goosebumps, John. But uh, yeah, man. So it's so interesting when you say that because just hearing the idea that maybe it's something that I was born with, I was born to be successful, or maybe it just comes easy for me, or I've got that mindset for success. It's so funny because it's so, in many respects, not true. Like in terms of where I've come from, I in no way was born with that natural flair of, oh, it's so obvious he's going to be successful. I feel like it's something that's developed. It's something that I've learned. It's something that I've needed to work on a lot. But dude, like I come from like an extremely working class family in London. And I come from a place where people just didn't didn't do anything different. Like everybody looked the same, everybody dressed the same, everybody spoke the same. And it was almost like people were fearful to look different or sound different or do a different thing or step away from the crowd, you know, just in case they stand out, just in case they get laughed at, or just in case they do something that's so risky that they might fail, you know, dare anyone try to achieve success. I come from that place where everybody's just in the same box, but I just, I hit a point where I couldn't stand that anymore. Like I went along with it and I went along with it. And then when I was 19 years old, right. And by this time I'd just been working normal jobs. I did the normal stuff. I hadn't gone to university or college. I just went to school, left school, got a job. And John, right, and I still like now can't quite believe it, but at 19 years old, I woke up one day and I said to my mum and dad, you know what, I want to be an actor, right? <laughs> now, it was like a complete surprise. Like I'd never mentioned it before. I'd never said anything about it. I didn't know anyone that was an actor. None of my family were an actors. And I was like, you know what, 
I'm, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of just going along with the crowd and doing what everyone else is doing. I'm going to become an actor, right? The, the next day, I'm like walking down to my local amateur theater and I, I walked in and I was just like, look, I've never done this before. I don't know anyone who's an actor. I've got no experience, but I think I want to be an actor. And this woman said to me, right, we've got an audition tomorrow for this play. So come back tomorrow and audition for this play. I went, I went home and I was thinking, is this, am I really going to do this? Like, and this was a huge thing for me at the time. I was like, am I right for this? Am I just being ridiculous? And I turned up to this audition. I auditioned, I got the part. And then a week later, I was in rehearsals. And then two months later, I'm standing up on stage. And I, and I tell you what, mate, the very first time I finished a full play and I took a bow, it was in front of only seven people. And two of those people was my mum and my sister. And I felt like a superstar, mate. I felt like a star. Because I was like proud of myself. I did something different. I went against the grain. And I just fell in love with this thing. And you know what, mate? I was laughed at the whole time. The whole time. My, my mates, my friends at the time were like laughing at me, thinking I was being ridiculous. And I didn't care. Like I hit that point where I didn't care. And it just sent me off on this incredible pathway of becoming an actor, which is what I did before I was a coach. And it, cha it changed my life, mate. It sent my life in a completely different direction than what it would have done if I just sat there in the same pub, going to the same job, doing the same things that all of my friends were doing at the time. And that was a real, that was just a turning point in my life where I decided to do something completely different, go against the grain. And then like with acting, I mean, I'm sure I, I would love to hear how those skills have translated into your coaching and uh, just kind of how you've built your business. Cause that takes balls, man, to get up on a stage and act. And even if it's just in front of seven people and that's, and people don't understand that's you got, you got to start off sometimes at that, that smaller level. Uh, but I, I would love to hear how those skills have translated into your business. Mm. Well, I mean, it's interesting, mate, because those skills are paramount. I find them to be so incredibly useful within my business. And when I was in, I eventually went to drama school when after I did a few plays and I did a couple of good like TV parts as well. And when I was in drama school, I was learning all of these different like acting methodologies. I was, I was studying the greats like Sanford Meisner and Constantine Stanislavski like this, are these like, for, for instance, like Stanislavski is like this 1900s Russian acting guru. And every single time I was reading his books, I was thinking this is incredible because it was like coaching. And I knew a bit about coaching at the time and I knew a bit about mindset and it was all about changing your physiology so you feel differently, changing the internal dialogue in, inside your head, changing what you say to yourself, changing what you imagine in order to create a different state, whether that's a state of confidence, whether it's a state of exhilaration or a, a state of excitement or a state of sadness or a state of anger or jealousy. It's almost like everything I learned as an actor, so much of it has translated over into being a coach. Because as a coach, of course, I'm helping people change their emotional state to go from being angry to being forgiving or being sad to being confident, you know, or being depressed to being exhilarated. I'm trying to take people on that journey. So the acting skills that I picked up along the way as an actor, which I did for many, many years, they have translated over to my coaching 100%. The two come hand in hand. 
Yeah, I can imagine. It, like, I know with acting, and I, I don't watch a ton of movies. I, I try to watch like the movies that everyone talks about and the ones that are popular. But I love Leonardo DiCaprio. And it's the same with business. So like when you're up on stage and speaking, people might see him and, and like we started off this, oh, it comes so easy to him or he must have been born a natural. But just like acting, they don't see the work that goes in behind the scenes. They're just seeing the final product up there and the result of all the consistent work and effort you put in behind the scenes to get to that point. So I've always been very, um, like, like I, I'm obsessed with the acting profession just because I know how much goes in behind the scenes before you see that final movie, right? Mate, an unbelievable amount, right? And I tell you what, there's a really common misconception that film acting must be much more natural than stage acting. And I tell you what, it's not. It really isn't. There is nothing natural about having a camera in your face, having 20 crew members walking around when you've got the riggers putting up rigs, when you've got the carpenters making things on set, when you've got the, this boom hanging over you, right? This boom microphone, and everyone's quiet for those few minutes after they shout action. Everyone freezes, and you feel like you're on the spot, like you feel the tension in the room. And of course, you need to overcome that. You need to be able to transport yourself to a completely different place in a completely different mindset. And like you're saying there with like incredible actors like Leonardo DiCaprio, the amount of work that's gone into that, the amount of combination of natural talent and work and graft that has gone into creating that kind of mindset that is able to stand on a movie set and transport himself to another place convincingly is it's, it's outrageous talent, mate. It's outrageous talent. And a lot of it doesn't come natural. You know, a lot of it comes from hard work and graft. And, and building those habits, right? It's like, I catch myself sometimes when I'm doing trainings or doing speaking events that I, I kind of like, kind of even snap out of what I'm doing in the moment. And I just see my body's on autopilot because I've done it so many times. And it's about forming those habits um, that you get to that point. And that's like how many, it, it just is a testament to how much repetition and how much work you've put in. Mm. So as for acting, so you, you went to acting school, you, you pursued this career as an actor, I know in your background, you were talking about you survived a large terrorist attack. Do you mind touching on that at all? Yeah, absolutely, mate. So at this point, you know, I had um, my acting career had really crumbled at this point. And, you know, and that's, the, that's like a whole other story. But my acting career had completely crumbled. It completely dried up, disappeared. I'd gone from being what I felt was like on top of the world, working on some of the best movies in the world. And now all of a sudden, I didn't have a job. Right, because my agent stopped calling and I wasn't getting to auditions. And when I did go to an audition, I just wasn't getting the part because I was turning up desperate to get the job. And there was a point in my life where I thought, you know what, I've just moved into this really lovely apartment in the middle of London, right? Right at the bottom of London Bridge called Borough. There's an area called Borough Market. And I moved into this lovely apartment with my wife. And all of a sudden I couldn't pay my rent because I didn't have any more active work. And I thought, right, I need to pay my rent. And I need a job that finishes early enough that I can still go to auditions if I get an audition. And so I thought, you know what? I'll become a postman, right? A mailman. Mm -hmm. So I went to an interview. I got a job as this postman in an area in London. And I started working as a postman. And it, it was almost like it was going to be a stopgap, right? It was going to be that one thing that I did quickly before I ended up getting another big part and I was an actor again. 
And all of a sudden I blink and like a week goes by, two weeks go by, a month goes by, a year goes by, two years go by and I'm still a postman. And there was this moment. Now the terror attack that was in a, it was in a, a crazy transition, the terror attack, because I had just finished being a postman and I had discovered coaching at this point. And I was relatively new to coaching, but I'd been doing it for a few months. But bearing in mind, I'd only really just made that transition. Previously, I'd been a postman for two years. I discover coaching. I fall in love with it. Start a coaching business. I start seeing clients. And I was very early on in my whole mindset development journey into coaching. And it was one evening. It was June 3rd, 2017. I'll never forget that. June 3rd, 2017. And it was a lovely summer's evening. It was one of those evenings where there was music in the air. You know, it was warm. The warm wind was blowing through the city and everyone was in a good mood. People were laughing. People were talking. People were cheersing drinks. And I lived above a pub, right? So in, the, in this area of London, it was like there's a pub. And then me and my wife lived on the first floor above this pub. And we had these huge, great big bay windows, right? These huge windows. And we had them open because it was a warm summer's evening. And we're sitting there watching television and we heard this commotion, right? We heard this strange commotion, but it, it was just sounded like a fight. So we looked out of the window and there was a fight that was happening, but it was nothing serious. It was like a drunk scuffle, right? And the police turned up and they were like, look, you go that way, you go that way. And the fight was over and we didn't think anything of it. So what we decided to do, just being nosy, we just decided to just watch the world go by. So we were leaning out of our window and just watching the world go by. We were watching all of these happy faces, people having a drink, people having a laugh. It was just the epitome of a lovely summer's evening in London. And then out of nowhere, there's this heavy, heavy noise of commotion, right? Glasses smashing, people feeling worried then people feeling scared then raised voices then a couple of people running running down alleyways running and hiding behind cars and instantly i thought wow this fight has started again uh, but this time it's way bigger than it was before so i'm like looking down out of my window sort of trying to look around to see what was going on and then the terror the commotion the fear it just gets worse and worse and worse until all of a sudden everyone's running and I'm talking, there's probably a couple of thousand people down in this one area where I lived. Very popular pub. It was a warm summer's evening, so there was a lot of people there. Everyone's running. Everyone's screaming, right? And I still didn't quite know what was happening. So I just looked down, and out of nowhere, I just see people getting stabbed. That's what I see. It's almost like a movie set, just people getting stabbed. Didn't know how many attackers there were. Didn't know what was happening at the time. Didn't have the power of hindsight. And I see people getting stabbed in the chest, getting stabbed in the back, getting stabbed in the face. Chaos, like chaos, horrific horror movie scene. And me and my wife are just like jaw dropped. We don't know what we're witnessing. It is almost like we're watching a film unfold, but we know that it's awful. Like what we're seeing, you, you find yourself in this crazy sort of between world of it being very real and you're like in survival mode. And at the same time, it feels like you're in some sort of bubble, like some sort of dream and you don't know what's unfolding. So these guys that we now know as it was the London Bridge terror attack, these three men were who had knives were just stabbing as many people as they could within this big crowd. Now this one guy, 
I have never in my life seen somebody so brave. There was this one man and he had picked up this metal chair that he'd found in one of the restaurants and he was fighting off these attackers, almost like some sort of crazy lion tamer. He was just like fighting them off and fighting them off. And they were trying to stab him. They were trying to get to him and he kept fighting them with this chair. Now all the police officers, all of the cars were like driving straight past where the, the commotion was because the attackers had crashed a van on the top of London Bridge and all of the police thought that's where the attack was happening. So they were driving past the market to go to the bridge and this one man ran out in, in the middle of the road, stood in front of one of the police cars and was pointing into the market and basically saying, look, that's where you want to go. That's where the attackers are. And this one police car like screeched around the corner, drove into the market and shot the three attackers, right? Just do, 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 do. These three police officers got out, shot the three attackers. Now in hindsight, that was when the attack finished. But when you're there, you haven't got a clue what is going on. So you don't know whether or not that's the start of something, that's the end of something. So I like slam the window shut. I move over to another window. I'm about to slam it shut. And this one police officer shouted up at me. It's like the UK version of a SWAT team. And he was like, you need to get out of your apartment because we think there's a bomb in the pub, right? So I'm like, shit, I'm really scared at this point. And all I want to do is protect my wife, protect myself. So I'm thinking, right, well, we've got to leave. Then this other police officer shouts up and says, don't leave because there's people being killed down here. We don't know what the situation is yet. So stay in your apartment. Police officer number one is going, no, no, no. We think there's a bomb in that pub. You need to get out. Police officer number two is like, don't move because if you come down here, you might be killed. So I swear to God, mate, I felt like I was staring down the barrel of a gun. And this went on for about 30 minutes. And I was thinking, right, what's going to have the least impact? Is it the bed? Is it the kitchen counter? Is it the sofa? Is it the couch? I was like, I I, I didn't know what to do, where to go. Until eventually, police officer number one was like, right, that's it. You have to leave now. Because if a bomb goes off in that pub, it's game over for you. You have to go. So I opened up the door to my apartment and I thought there might be an attacker in the hallway even because you don't know how many there are. So I'm like creeping through my apartment. I've got my wife behind me. We creep all the way down the hallway, creep the way down the stairs. I open up the door to the street. And as as soon as I open up the door to the street, there's just people laying dead in the street, people bleeding. There's only one ambulance that have arrived at this point. And this police officer just said, look, just run, just run as far and as fast as you can. So we just ran all the way down the road until eventually we got to a crowd of about 500 people, maybe a thousand people. And I tell you what, John, that was the worst. That was one of the worst bits because then all of a sudden we're really scared. We're really paranoid. We don't know if someone's just going to pull a knife out and start attacking people again. And, and now we're outside of our home, so we don't have anywhere to go. There's, and and the, you can't go anywhere. It's not like you can call a cab because everything's like bang on lockdown. And this one guy came over to us and he was a BBC news reporter. And he was like, look, where do you live? And we said, we live in Borough Market. He was like, I report on this stuff all the time. And I can tell you right now, you're not going home for a long time because your home is now a crime scene. So we let us stay at his apartment for the night and we couldn't go home for 10 days. The police kicked our door down. They turned our bed upside down, our sofa upside down, just just like looking for anything. And the reason that 
I mean, for so many reasons, but the number one reason why that is one of the most significant moments of my life is because it was in that moment and the days after that, that I realized the power of coaching. I realized the power of coaching because think how easy it would have been for me to have had the mindset of hate, blame, fear, you know, if I had had that mindset, I just would have spiraled downwards. And you know what? Some people would say that would be understandable for me to have that kind of mindset of hatred and fear, you know, but I knew I couldn't go down that road. I couldn't do that. So I was coaching myself every day and I was coaching my wife every day and she was having panic attacks. And I felt like at times I was really helpless. I couldn't help, but I was doing what I could as a coach. I was changing our mindset. I was breaking down those limiting beliefs that we were developing every single day. I was changing our perspective. I was changing our focus and driving our focus towards things that we did have control over, driving it towards a mindset of forgiveness, of love, of inclusion, all of these things that were so difficult to feel at the time, but absolutely necessary. So since June 3rd, 2017, I know that coaching is one of the most powerful things in the world because I use it every day since that experience. Wow, Liam, that was one of the craziest stories I've heard and so much respect to you because I know that our beliefs, a, a large part where they develop from are from our experiences, but it's our interpretation of our experiences where we bring these beliefs from. So I feel like most people in your situation, like you said, would feel like, you know, they're so out of everything's so out of their control. The world's a terrible place. It's a hateful place. And I just have so much respect for the fact that you were able to take that situation and put it through a different lens and change your beliefs to, to see the world through in a positive light and use the power of coaching and understanding limiting beliefs. And that that was one experience you had in one circumstance and to really climb out of that and use it to make a positive change. So so much respect for you. I mean, like I was at the edge of my seat, that whole story. That's, that's crazy, man. And glad that you and the wife are okay, man. But geez, I can, that's, that's just wild. Um, so were you building your coaching business before this occurred or was this really the catalyst for you to kick the coaching business off? So it's, it's, it's an interesting question, mate, because so I started my coaching business January 1st, 2017, right? It was a brand new year and I was like, that's it. I'm starting this business. So January 1st, 2017, and this was June 3rd. So I'd only been running my coaching business. and I'd only been a coach for a matter of months, you know, a matter of six, seven months, well, six months. And, but mate, it was almost like it was the proof that I desperately needed to know that this wasn't just a business. You know, this wasn't just a reason for me to no longer be a postman and a reason for me to try to work for myself. Like it almost started that way. When I first discovered coaching, it started that way. And a lot of people that discover coaching, it starts that way because you realize that it's a great opportunity to work from your laptop, when you do Zoom sessions, you can travel around the world, you have, you know, location freedom when you're a coach. So a lot of people get into it because of that reason. But, and, and it was similar for me. I just didn't want to have to walk the streets anymore delivering mail. I didn't want to have to go into an office and be told what to do. And I felt, I discovered coaching and I was like, you know what, this could be a really good option for me. But June 3rd, 
that was the moment where I knew that I had something special here and I had to nurture that. And this wasn't just a business opportunity. This was, this was a skill set that I could use to genuinely help people and make a huge difference in their life. If it made that much of a difference in my life since the terror attack, I can use that skill to make a considerable difference in other people's lives. And you know what, mate? Surprise, surprise. My business then was way more successful when I shifted that mindset. And I was like, you know what? I want to use this to genuinely add value to other people's lives. Boom. All of a sudden, business is really good because I am not focusing on how much money am I going to make. I'm not focusing on how many countries can I travel to this year. I'm just solely focused on how can I add value to other people's lives in the same way that it added value to mine. That was the key. Yeah, man. And what you said right there, if you, if you guys listening, take away anything when people are starting a business. And I remember for me, it was selfish reasonings. I wanted to take control of my finances. I wanted to become successful, but where you start to really see success is when you change that and start making about other people and how you can impact other lives. And I know that people watch and like, Oh, that's easy for you to say because your business is established and you're making money and it's great to serve and bring value to other people. But right now I'm broke and I have nothing and I want to get out of my nine to five job. But it's so true that once you switch that and, and really focus on, okay, who am I impacting? Who am I improving their, their quality of life? Who am I bringing value to? That's when your business starts to take off. And especially in something like coaching and with what I do, it's about helping people with their health and creating extra income. But all of it comes down to what value are you bringing to other people? So yeah. Continuing this on, so you, that was really the catalyst. And I mean, you, and I know because for me, when I've had my own personal shifts and I'm like, oh, wow, this stuff really works. That's when your belief skyrockets and that's when able, you're able to pour it into other people. So you had this crazy event occur, you know, coachings you're calling. So tell me more about the coaching masters and what you guys have been able to build with it and um, just the value you guys are bringing to the world. Yeah, definitely, mate. So yeah, it's really interesting. So at that time in my life, I was just a, a standalone coach. That was my whole business was that I got coaching clients and I would coach them through various different things, whether it was increasing their confidence, breaking down their limiting beliefs, maybe helping them navigate their way through a career change or maybe ending a relationship that didn't serve them. You know, at the time, I didn't really focus on any one particular thing. I was like learning my craft. I was learning my way around. I, didn't, I hadn't found a niche at that point. I was just coaching anyone who I could coach just to gain that experience and just to you know, keep my business moving forward. And there was a really specific moment, actually, and it was a, a couple of years after that where I was scrolling through Facebook and I found this guy. No, I was scrolling through Instagram and I found this guy on Instagram. And I thought it was like, for me, it was really unusual because I felt in many respects at the time, very, very lonely as a coach. You know, my business was successful. I was coaching a lot of clients, but I wasn't interacting with many people, to be fair. It's like a lot of my friends who I met in drama school, they had moved home. They'd moved all around the world. My wife, Claudia, she went to work every day and she was working her like nine till six. And so I spent a lot of time by myself and that was the main element of my business in the early days that I didn't like, it was the one thing that used to really get to me. At first, I didn't mind it. I quite liked being on my own. But then they got to a point where it was just, I, I just, I couldn't stand being on my own. And I found this guy on Instagram and 
it, it, the reason he stood out to me is because I didn't at that stage in my life really know any other coaches that were my age who looked like they were as passionate about coaching as me and were successful. And his name is Lewis Raymond Taylor, right? Who's now my business partner. And so I found Lewis, I sent him a message and I, and I literally just sent him a message and said, look, there's no agenda behind this message. I just want to let you know, I appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate what you're putting out there. And he got back to me straight away and he was like, we need to meet for a coffee, right? Let's meet for a coffee. And I was like, yep, yeah, cool, man. Let's do it. Let's definitely meet for a coffee. And then I was going through like a really hard time because I'd only lost my dad a few months before. And then I was in the middle, right in the thick of losing his twin brother. My dad died October 29th, 2018. And then his twin brother died of cancer only 80 days after my dad died. And I was right going through that at the time and I was sleeping on the hospital floor every night and I just wanted to be with him. And it was his last couple of days. And this was when I spoke to Lewis for the first time and he said, look, let's meet up for a coffee. And then I didn't speak to him for a couple of weeks because I was just trying to process everything that was happening. And then I got back to him and I was like, look, mate, I'm really sorry. I didn't get back to you. No, this has been going on. And he was still just so adamant. And he was just like, I really appreciate you telling me that it's definitely meet for a coffee. And eventually we did. And I swear to God, since the very first day we met for a coffee, we've been working together ever since. Like, and I remember it was the sixth, I've got a thing with dates. Like I always remember the dates of significant moments. Like it was the 16th of February, 2019 right? is when we met and we've just worked together every single day since. So the coaching masters, as we know it, has actually only been operational for over just over a year. And we have grown this thing exponentially over that year because we've got the exact same values to add value to other people's lives. So the reason it works so well is because at this point I had also transitioned away from coaching people to training people how to be a coach. I became a trainer, you know, and that is what I am today. I'm a trainer. So I qualify and accredit people as coaches. And what Lewis was doing is he was taking already qualified coaches and showing them how to grow their coaching business. So I had part A, he had part B. I could qualify coaches. He could help them grow their coaching business. So we joined forces, created the coaching masters, and it's now a very large, successful online academy where we qualify people to become coaches and accredit them and show them exactly what they need to do to grow their coaching business. And it's just been, it's been a phenomenal ride over the last 18 months of growing it. I love it, man. And I know one of the things you say is you're trying to make having a coach as fashionable as having a personal trainer. And it's so true, man, because with what I do, and I'm certified as a mindset coach and I've been since the age of 18, just digging into books, watching videos, attending seminars, trainings, uh, associating myself with people like you who bring high value and think the same type of way as I do because everything starts with our mind, man. And you have to master that before you can master anything else. And so with that, when you're coaching people, it sounds like you, you've built this to really train coaches and help them succeed as coaches, correct? That's correct, yeah. So do you coach people say they come to you and they're looking to take their business to the next level. So do you coach people at an individual level still? So now if people want to take their coaching business to the next level, that's where they do our courses. Me coaching people one-on-one is a very rare thing now. It's a really rare thing. Like it's just, 
if there's someone who I believe one, I can add a huge amount of value to and two, I want to spend time with them and I feel like I can learn from them as well. When there's like those very few select people that approach me for coaching, then every so often I'll coach them. But now my focus is solely on growing the coaching masters and that becoming the biggest online coaching academy in the world. Because yeah, like you say, John, that's one of my missions to make having a coach as fashionable as having a personal trainer. Like no one has any problem with saying that they've got a personal trainer. It's like a badge of honor. It's something to be proud of. And you should be proud of that. You know, you've hired somebody to help you get your body in check. That's great. But I want to create this movement where everybody is just as proud to say that they're having a session with their coach, their mindset coach, their confidence coach. Like imagine how great that would be if people are like, oh yeah, you know, I've got a session with my personal trainer tonight. And then straight after that, I've got a session with my mindset coach. Could you imagine if the whole world was on that movement, was on that pathway, how great that would be? I mean, everyone's life would be improved drastically. And I, I, I know that firsthand just from how much work I put in and the results I've seen because of it. And it's like people go to the gym, right? They'll go five, six days a week working out their muscles, even out of the gym, putting the right nutrition in their body to grow those muscles. But a lot of people won't even take 30 minutes, even 10 minutes a day to work on their most valuable and important muscle, which is their brain. So I, I love the mission of what you guys are doing. I'm all for it. So when you bring people in, because I'm sure people that are listening to this podcast are entrepreneurial, looking to take their mindset to the next level. What are a few pieces you can give away of how you train people to become coaches? Like what are the foundations that you build within them and teach them that they need to know to bring people up to the next level. It's really good actually, because and I'm glad you brought that up because when people first discover this as an idea, there are so many limiting beliefs that people have. Oh, I couldn't be a coach, right? I'm not good enough to be a coach. I'm not smart enough to be a coach. I don't have anything to offer. I don't have any experience. But what I always want people to know is you don't require experience that's the purpose of doing for instance we run a 12-week coaching accreditation course right it's live and interactive it's 12 weeks that's where you gain your first bit of experience you don't need to arrive to the course with experience because that's the purpose of doing the course for those people that think i don't have anything to give i don't have anything to offer what they need to know is that that's not the role of a coach we're not there to tell people what to do we're not there to instruct. We're not there to mentor. We're there to guide people on a journey so they can discover what they have within them. You know, we're not there to, a good analogy for it is, we're not there to pour knowledge into the top of somebody like you're pouring water out of a jug, right? We're not there to fill them with knowledge and fill them with wisdom. We're there to extract the wisdom they already have within them. We're there to extract the knowledge. And we do that by asking really well-placed questions and taking people through certain techniques, methods, frameworks that you learn on the 12-week coaching accreditation course. So what I would say to anyone who it's ever crossed your mind, if you thought at any point, I'd like to be a coach, I want those people to know they have the ability to be a very good coach because of two things. One, they are completely unique, 100% unique. Every person listening to this now, they are the only version of them. Everything they've ever seen, everything they've ever felt, everything they've ever heard, 
everything that's ever been said to them, about them, every, every experience they've ever had, every time they've walked right instead of walking left, they have lived their life in such a way that no one else has lived their life. So one, they are unique. If you pair that uniqueness with number two, which is high quality training as a coach, you can become a very, very good coach. So everybody listening to this has the ability to be a good coach. That's the first thing that they need to be aware of. Absolutely. Everyone's got their own unique experiences and everyone's done things and solved different problems that they can help someone else with is really what it comes down to. And uh, so I, I love the mission of everything that you guys are doing. What, how about like, what is a reason? What is probably the number one reason you think that people need a coach in their life? Mm, blind spots, right? That's the number one reason. You can't see your own blind spots. You know, the world's greatest heart surgeon doesn't do his own heart surgery. He needs someone else to do it because he's not able to do it himself. I have a coach, right? I'm, I'm one of the coaching masters, one of the founders of the coaching masters. People see my experience, they see my expertise, they see my training and they think, I, well, they see me as one of the coaching masters, which I am. Now, those people would make the same misconception that because of that, surely I don't need a coach. I tell you right now, John, I need a coach. And if I didn't have a coach, I would be in a completely different place because I can't see my own blind spots. A coach holds up a mirror to those blind spots and guides your attention towards them. When I'm on a path and I think I'm doing the right thing and I'm going you know, in a certain direction, but things aren't quite working out for me. I could either carry on going in that direction, banging my head against a brick wall, hoping at some point it might fall down. Or my coach can ask me a few very specific questions, do a few techniques, a few methods, and just guide my attention in a different direction or shift my perspective or at least increase my perspective so I can see different options. You can't see your own blind spots and therefore you cannot ever really see all of the options that you have available to you when you're working your way towards a certain goal. That's what a coach does. A coach allows you to see the alternative options and the alternative avenues and highlights your blind spots. That's huge. And that's so important for people to understand because a lot of people will go through the journey like, oh, I'm doing this right. And, uh, a lot of times you need someone to call you on your shit because there, there might be corners you're cutting. There might be things that you're not seeing that you need to see. Um, and there just might be things you're just not doing properly. And mm. that, that's so, that's so important, man. I'm, and it's, I think it's very powerful and speaks huge, huge numbers that you yourself have a coach. Cause like you're not out here. A lot of people will have something that they preach, but they're not doing themselves. And I'm huge into, if I'm going to be teaching it, I'm going to be actually doing it myself and, and applying things to me. Like with my business, it's like, I'm not going to ask someone to do something that I don't do. And yeah. uh, I love that you yourself are an example of what you're preaching and what you're creating. And I think, I mean, I personally, how, like, how would you say the coaching master stands apart from anyone else who's accrediting coaches or creating coaches? Yeah, I mean, there's quite a few ways that we stand apart. And one of the ways is exactly what you've said, John, right? So me, I not only have a coach, I utilize and use coaching on a daily basis, right? Ever since the terror attack, ever since losing my dad to suicide, ever, lose, ever since losing his twin brother to cancer, who was one of my best friends, 
every single adversity I've ever been through since 2017, where I've learned the power of coaching. I have survived and thrived through those adversities because of coaching. So I walk my own talk. Lewis, my business partner, exactly the same. Four years ago, he was in a prison cell. He was a drug addicted alcoholic who, was, who found himself in prison because of a series of crimes, violent crimes, because his life was spiraling downwards from having an abusive upbringing and having an, just an awful childhood and experiencing abuse on just terrible levels. And he discovered coaching and he discovered coaching in prison. And then he discovered coaching in rehab when he left prison and completely turned his life around to become the person that he is today. So one of the main things that separates us is we haven't learned this thing out of a book and thought, this looks good. This will be a good business opportunity. Lewis coaches himself every day, right? He's completely 100% sober, very successful, a genius in my opinion as well, and is now living a life of success. He's over in Bali and he indulges in water purification ceremonies. He's vegan now. He's very successful. Me, ever since going through those adversities, I've moved forward every day. Like my coaching is the number one thing that saved me through losing my dad. Since I lost my dad, I've always said, I will never move on because I, I choose not to move on. However, I will move forward every single day I will move forward. And I, I can only do that because of my coaching. So the main thing that makes the coaching masters different is we instill that within every single one of our sessions. You don't turn up to our training course and learn something just off a few slides or out of a book. You turn up to our training course and we let you know why this stuff is powerful through honest, authentic stories and experiences that we've had. And we find that our students just understand it better because they can apply it to the, the stories that we're telling them. What I can tell right off the bat that's so different from you is there's so many coaches, right, on Instagram and social media. Anyone can create a page and be a coach right now. But just how you speak and like you said, you, the stories you share, you can tell that you've lived it, right? Like you're the real deal. You've gone through it. You're vulnerable to, you know, where you began and where you're at now. And so many people talk. And I think the number one way is they just talk in this fluffy language and are just using these big terms that they probably themselves don't even understand and aren't giving you anything to relate to or actually apply to yourself. And I, I listen to some of these people and it'll be for like 15 seconds. I can tell if they're, they know what the fuck they're talking about or not, because it's, it's so easy to identify, but I can tell with you, you know, you've, you've done it, man. And you guys are crushing it. And it's no wonder why, because you guys are authentic and you're focused on bringing that value and making a real change in the world. So, um, love everything you guys are doing. We're approaching the end here. And a question I always love to ask people because with what I've done in my book, it's all about how the most important lessons I've learned to become successful in life have come from outside of traditional school. So I like to ask people, what's the number one thing you've learned outside of traditional schooling that's helped you become successful? One word, decision, decision. This is quite possibly my favorite word in the English dictionary. There is nothing more powerful than a solid human decision. When you have made a decision and you are firm on that decision, nothing can stop you. It will take a bulldozer to stop you. But what happens is that people are indecisive 
and that indecisiveness, which is a very, very common thing within our generation, John. You know, we are the Netflix generation. We're the generation that spend more time flicking through the films just in case there's a better option, just in case the next film is better. We spend more time doing that when we do watching the film. We're the indecisive. I'm not talking about me and you, of course, but our generation is the generation of the constant scrolling through Facebook, the constant scrolling through Instagram, the constant flicking through Netflix. When I learned outside of the traditional school system how to make a solid, firm decision and stick to that decision, that's when I started to become more successful because I was guided towards singular goals, right? That's the decision I've made. I've made my decision now. That's what I'm going for. When I get to that point, nothing can stop me. It's only when I'm slightly indecisive and I'm thinking, oh, I'm not sure. Do I go left? Do I go right? That's when I can be knocked off course. And I find that the traditional schooling system, there is a reason as to why they don't teach that. And there's a reason why they don't teach lots of different things like a money mindset and like how to feel empowered, how to increase your confidence. Because the fact is, of course, it's much more beneficial to the overall governments of the world to create workers than it is to create thinkers. So they don't want people making firm decisions. They want people to be moldable. You know, they want people to be followers, to be workers because they need to fill up the industries. However, never underestimate, and this goes out to every single listener of this podcast, never underestimate the power of you making a decision and sticking to that decision because you have the power to do it. You have the ability to do it. You have the right to do that as well. Make solid decisions. Man, it's so, I can tell how similar we are because I mean, in sharing your story, you woke up one day and we're like, you know what, I'm gonna be an actor and you just did it, right? And, yeah. and, and you're a living testament to what you're talking about here. Like you make these decisions, you decided to start this coaching business, you make decisions and you follow it through. I'm the same way. Like all the different businesses I've had and everything that I've done has just been a result of making a decision and seeing it through. Some end in a more positive result than others, some end in failure, but you learn from them and, and you use what you learn to move forward and take things to the next level. So, so powerful, Liam. Is there any other last thoughts or words you'd like to leave any of the listeners with here? Never ever forget, and this is something within the world of NLP, and it's just popped into my head because of what you just said, John, and it's always good for us to remind ourselves of this thing. There is no such thing as failure only feedback. And as long as you always have that mindset, you know, you cannot fail as long as you extract the feedback from the experience that you've had. You can have an experience that you may deem as a failure or a loss, or it didn't go your way. And it's only ever a real true loss if you don't study that experience, study it, dissect it, why did it go that way? How did it go that way? What do I need to do differently? Extract the feedback, take the feedback on board, do it differently the next time. You carry on doing that and you will very quickly get to the point where you fucking mastered the game of life. 100% dude, couldn't agree more. So where, where can people connect with you, learn more about the coaching masters? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, guys, go to thecoachingmasters.com. Check us out, thecoachingmasters.com. And on Instagram, my Instagram is at liam.james.collins. 
So find me on Instagram, check out thecoachingmasters.com, shoot me a message, I'll shoot you a message back, I promise. I'll go through those requested messages in, uh, <laughs> in my Instagram. And if you message me off the back of this podcast, I'll, I'll spark up a conversation with you. Love it, man. You're the man, dude. This has been awesome to get to hear more of your story and just connect more. And I'm sure this is going to lead to so much more down the road. Um, and I'm excited to see where you take everything and just to see you thrive, man, because you guys are killing it right now and you guys are going places. So thank you everyone for tuning in. Go connect with Liam and we will see you on the next episode. Bye.